World War II. It's known as the greatest generation. And these are their stories. It's the World War II Project. This is the Americhicks with your host, Kim Munson. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks World War II Project with Kim Munson. Uh, we are telling these stories of uh, folks from World War II as well. We're starting to add in uh, stories from Korea and Vietnam as well. And this show precipitated from a trip that I took in 2016 with a group that took four D-Day veterans back to Normandy uh, for the D-Day celebrations. And we returned realizing we need to tell these stories. Each story is unique uh, and we have something really incredible with to tell you today. I have in studio with me uh, Thomas Grauman. Thomas, welcome uh, to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. Well, it's great to have you here. And the story that you are going to tell is an amazing story. It's a story of Sir Nicholas Winton, right? Yes. And uh, so uh, tell us about that. Uh, he saved a number of children in Europe. So tell us your story, Thomas. Nicholas Winton was a stockbroker in England, trained in Germany at his uncle's bank. He knew what was happening in Germany. And this was 19, in the late 30s, wasn't it? 1938. He planned to go skiing with a school group he was sponsoring in Switzerland. He got a phone call from his companion a teacher at Westminster School in England. His friend said, I've been invited to see what's happening to the refugees from Sudetenland. Can you come and join me? He cancelled his ski trip and came to Prague and found there were more than 3,000 Jewish children in danger of concentration camp and possibly death, and he wanted to do something to help the children. Okay, so this was 1938? Yes. Okay, now you mentioned Sudetenland? Sudetenland. Sudetenland. That's uh, an area around the border of Czechoslovakia. In the 1200s, the Czechs invited German engineers to set up coal mines, steelworks, and... Things like that. And the Germans just stayed and considered that their land. After 1918, there were political groups that were in favor of joining Hitler. There were democratic Czechs wanting to be independent. Dr. Masaryk set up Czechoslovakia as an independent country and... uh, this was ratified at the Versailles Conference. Which that was at the end of World War One, right? Yes. Okay. So Nicholas Winton goes to Czechoslovakia, and how did they know these 3,000 children were in danger? The British and Germans wanted lists of names for getting visas. The British Committee for Czech Refugees had uh, lots of politically endangered people they were trying to smuggle into Britain for safety. Were they all Jews? Not all Jews. But primarily Jews. uh, Primarily Jews. And uh, they found lots of children. And they got lists of names of children. And um, parents brought pictures of their children, filled out application papers, to send their children to Britain, and uh, Nicholas Winton arranged for families to take care of these children and arranged transportation for us. This, I'm trying to think what would be going through parents' minds to realize that there's this tremendous danger and, uh, you know, to, to send their children away. That's a very big deal to have that happen, to have your child go to complete strangers. So your parents were well aware of a danger uh, out there then? My parents were aware of the danger. It was discussed with the families, the extended family. And uh, like 
most of the Jewish families, our family was divided as to whether we should stay or go. My cousins from Vienna came and strongly urged us to leave immediately. Uh, They had seen what the Nazis did in Vienna. They were included in the 125,000 Jews who fled the city of Vienna after Hitler took over Austria by what is known as the Anschluss. My uncle left his work, joined the army, and um, worked with the Czech government in exile in London. He advised his family, he advised my family to stay, take care of our family business, and he was safe in London. Okay. So these family conversations are going on. At this point, Czechoslovakia has not been invaded by Hitler yet, right? At this point, uh, Hitler had taken over Sudetenland. Okay. And um, But that's not where was, you lived? No. Okay. We were right on the border. Okay. When I was about seven, a Nazi tank rolled into our village. They brought an ultimatum from Germany that all Czechs and Jews must evacuate Sudetenland. And uh, from that point onwards, there was uh, a Nazi officer lived in our home. There were other Nazis in the village. They rode up and down the streets in motorcycles with sidecars. They had a, a long pole. If they found anyone standing close to the edge of the road, they would knock them down with their pole, and they seemed to think this was great fun. My mother warned my brother and me, don't have anything to do with the German soldiers. Don't even look at them. Well, what about living in your home, though? What was that like? I mean, did they make your mother cook for them? Our family had cooks, and uh, they came and ate dinner with our family. Was this soldier mean at all, or what, what would you say about him? They were very polite and uh, pleasant. Um, was always a danger of uh, their politeness backfiring. So we, your mother said, be careful what you say, be careful yeah. what you do. And you're a seven-year-old boy. Yeah. And then you have a little brother. Yes. Is, is that the only children in the family, you and that's your brother? A, that's all. Okay. So 1938. Uh, what happens from there? Continue with your story, Thomas Grauman. From that point, my mother was frequently visited by an evangelic pastor from the next village. This pastor had studied in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, He had a friend, and he arranged for us to go by the train arranged by Nicholas Winton. He arranged for us to go live with his friend. His friend lived in where, in England? In Dunbar, Scotland. In Scotland, okay. Not very far from Edinburgh. Okay. Eventually, I was almost the end of uh, the children rescued by Nicholas Winton. Okay, so Nicholas Winton uh, was going to go skiing. He doesn't. He goes with his friend to see all of these children in danger, and then they start to recruit families in Scotland to take these children in. I mean, that's a remarkable story right there. Just all of that is very remarkable to me. Uh, the people stepped up and said, yes, we will take these children. So your mother and, and your father have decided that they're going to try to get the boys out. And was it competitive to try to get a seat on these trains, or, or how were you chosen to get to be on the train? We were chosen if we got a sponsor in Britain. Okay. 669 of us were sponsored and got out. The lady who took care of me, Miss Mary Carson, was a teacher in a mission school in Jaffa, Palestine. There was no transport for her to get back to Palestine. Uh, She received a card from Nicholas Winton with a picture of a bunch of girls. 
she chose two sisters from city of Prague. Their application papers were all approved, but at the last moment, their parents felt they couldn't send their children away for a stranger to take care of. They didn't realize that was a last possibility of saving their beautiful little girls. So then Mary Carson, she became, so she got you, huh? Yes. So you weren't uh, a little girl. <laughs> I I went to the Sawyer's family in Dunbar, but he was called up into the army, lost his job in Dunbar. The family lost their home, so I had to go. And you're seven years old? Eight years old. Eight years old now, okay. Still didn't know any English. I, I knew yes and no, please and thank you, but that was... That's about it. About the extent of my English. Okay. So, first of all, tell me about the train ride. The train ride from Czech Republic to or Czechoslovakia, how you ended up in Scotland. So, what, what was that train ride like? We got on a train with wooden carriages, uh, Czech third-class train seats, and they crowded us in. As I remember, there was one on the top right, uh, about the seats. As far as I was concerned, I was excited to get on this train. My mother and my grandmother took me to the main train station in Prague, known then as Wilson Train Station. I picked up my two suitcases and a bag of food to eat on the train. I ran to get on the train. I wasn't aware of the children holding on to their parents crying, not wanting to leave their parents. But I heard about this in the stories of other Winton children. The train left late in the evening. We traveled all night, all the next day, and uh, eventually we reached Hook of Holland and uh, were told to get out of the train. We got onto this cross-channel boat, spent all night crossing the English Channel, and uh, then when we got to the English side, we were taken to a big warehouse, and my uncle just happened to be there. He was passing through uh, that port. I met with him for a few moments and was ushered onto a train going to Scotland. I went first to the town of Selkirk, on the border of England and Scotland, where there was a big home for refugee children. There was a a room for boys, and I presume a room for girls. We ate together, otherwise most everything else, boys and girls, were separate. From there, I was sent to uh, the Sawyer's home in Dunbar, And after two or three weeks, I was sent to Colonel Ferry near Oban in the Western Highlands of Scotland. Mary Carson, her sister, her brother-in-law, and her cousin came to the station to welcome two of us. The table was loaded with good food, and we were invited to the table. Uh, Before every meal, we prayed to Thank the Lord for his supply. Okay, so uh, I think we're going to go to break here, Thomas Grauman. This is Kim Bunsen with the AmeriChicks World War II Project. I'm talking with Tom Grauman, and and in fact, there is a book that uh, has been written about you. It's called Twice Rescued, right? And there's going to be audio or video coming out on that soon as well. It's October, correct? Uh, No. In October, the book comes out. Oh, it's the book. Okay, I got it. So Twice Rescued. Uh, So we'll talk some more about that. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, uh, it's summertime, and Hooters Restaurants is the spot to be this summer. You can enjoy Hooters uh, beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. They have plenty of ice-cold beer options to cool you down this summer. And I love this. They have nine items for nine bucks from 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, 
Philly cheese steak, and of course, their boneless wings. So that's for dine-in, but you can get any of their food to go. You can have it delivered right to your front door. For more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the AmeriChicks, and we will be right back with one of Winton's children, that is Tom Grauman. Hey, before we go to break, I have on the line with me Jim Ruse. He is a retired Marine, and Jim, welcome. Well, thank you. Good to be with you, and thanks for letting me chat about our Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation. Well, you've got something uh, coming up, very exciting, but first of all, tell us a bit more about the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation. Uh, the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation is the oldest uh, of the military uh, scholarship programs. Uh, it was started in 1962, and uh, since 1962, we have issued over tens of thousands of um, awards, uh, scholarship awards, totaling over $130 million. Wow. So, and uh, and it's geared towards the children of Marines and those corpsmen who work with Marines. So um, anyone that uh, was a Marine has, was honorably discharged or a Navy corpsman who worked with Marines, their children are eligible for these scholarships. And the scholarships are substantial. We're talking anywhere from 30000 to $40,000 guaranteed over um, a four-year period, and it doesn't have to be consecutive four years, but anywhere over um, the life of a person, and it doesn't matter what their age is. We have a Marine whose daughter uh, divorced with two children, um, and in her 30s went back to college, and the Marine Corps Scholarship uh, helped her. So we help uh, no matter what age, no matter what gender, um, we help. Well, and so, Jim Ruse, it's, it sounds like such important work, but to be able to continue this, you need to raise money, right? Everything, exactly. Everything is uh, done through donations. There are no government funds involved. The Marine Corps itself, while very helpful, does not provide any um, money so that uh, it all comes through donations. And so anything that uh, anybody can give is always appreciated. And that's why we're having this uh, this fundraiser, this golf outing at the Inverness in South Denver, is to help raise money for this scholarship. We have at present uh, um, a little bit over 50 Colorado students in school. Uh, nationwide, we've got uh, hundreds of kids going to school. And our, right now, our budget nationwide is $7.7 million. And it all goes towards scholarships. So uh, it uh, is a good program. It's, it's a, a solid program. Well, and this golf uh, tournament uh, is actually you get to do two things. You get to help with this scholarship foundation, but also you can get out and meet some new people and uh, hit the golf ball around. So, again, give us the details on that, Jim Roos. Okay. It is uh, August 6th at Inverness Hotel and Golf Resort. Um, in South Denver. It is um, uh, on August 6th, and um, we are looking for, for active people that like to golf, uh, that uh, would like to help out either by sponsoring a golfer um, or by having their own foursome or just by donating money. And um, some of the, the, the people that are donating, they will just buy like a foursome and then they'll have Marines or, or corpsmen or Army or Air Force uh, veterans uh, join in. We uh, especially want to help with those uh, 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 military, uh, Marines and corpsmen especially, uh, that were injured in the war. Um, their children actually have more, uh, they have a little bit more of a benefit than, uh, say, if you were to, uh, did your service and, and got out with an honorable discharge. Um, but uh, anybody that could help, uh, and I can give you, in, you know, instructions on how to get uh, um, online and, and look this up. But, uh, yeah, we're looking for people that really want to help out, and if they love the golf, even better. Okay. And where can they find that information, Jim Ruse? Okay. The best way would be online at uh, the initials for the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation, mcsf.org. And when you get there, look up events, because it'll be right on the homepage. 
uh, look up events, and then it'll show the, um, uh, the one of several golf and other events. Ours is the Colorado golf event. And then once you click on that, it'll come to contributions. And then whatever you can help with would be greatly appreciated. Okay, well, very good. Jim Roos, thank you so much for your good work on this important cause. And again, that website is mcsf.org. That's mcsf.org. Thanks so much. Semper Fidelis. Okay, thank you. Uh, We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks World War II Project. Uh, Thrilled to have in studio with me Thomas Grauman. Uh, He was one of uh, 600 and some children that was rescued by Sir Nicholas Winton. And uh, in the first segment, we talked about him leaving his family, riding a train, ending up in Scotland, and you've joined the home of Mary Carson. And uh, one other thing, you, you brought along this amazing book, Winton's Trains, and you have this marked here, uh, Thomas Grauman, and there is a big photo of two little boys, and one of them is you, right, and the other is your brother? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, did your brother make it out too? No, my brother was sick when I was leaving home. They told him, stay home, get well. There'll be another train next month. Next month, there was no train. Hitler had invaded Poland September 1st, 1939. And so there were no Uh, more trains. So you never saw your brother again? No. My brother was sent back to live with my mother in in the village. My mother and my brother were eventually sent to Teresin concentration camp in 1941, and uh, from there to Sobibor and other camps where they were exterminated. That is, uh, how did you find out about that, Thomas? How did you find out that that happened? My uncle, who worked with the Czech government in exile, returned to Slovakia and followed the uh, Russian army as they liberated Czechoslovakia, he wrote a letter saying all our family who remained in Czechoslovakia all died in concentration camp. Now, was this the uncle that had recommended that yes. everybody stay? How did how did he react to that? Was I can't imagine. It was all done. There was nothing that we could do to bring people back. We couldn't change what had happened. By that time, I had received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and uh, I trusted Jesus to take care of me. What about your father? What happened to your father? My father, my birth father, was divorced and lived alone in the town of Brno. He was a shoemaker. Last time I saw him was the day before I got on the train. He was in his shoe shop. The shoe shop was full of German soldiers. They were buying his hand-sewn boots because they fitted their feet better than what the German army issued them. Uh, They weren't aware that he was a Jew. Sometime after I left home, someone reported that my father was a Jew. He was ticked off and uh, he ran away. He attempted to commit suicide in 1941. He left his documents and his coat at the top of a cliff outside of Prague, Barandov Mountain. The Nazis found his body at the bottom of the cliff. They found he was still alive. They took him to a hospital, but he died within a few days. Well, Thomas Grauman, this is quite a life story that you have. You've told this story... To, to different groups over the years. Um, what next? What, what's the next thing that you'd like to share with our listeners? You're, you, you now uh, are over in Scotland. You're living with Mary Carson. You know, what was life like that then for you? After I received Jesus Christ as Savior, I prepared uh, myself to become a missionary. I was interested in an opportunity in the Philippines, um, Overseas Missionary Fellowship had several missionaries starting work on the island of Mindoro in the Philippines. They were told that within 
five to ten years, communism would take over the island, and we had five to ten years to evangelize the tribes hidden in the jungle. That's what I was interested in and had the privilege of going there and presenting Jesus Christ to a number of villages. And so what happened between, though, you were eight years old, living with Mary Carson and her sister and brother-in-law, to how old were you when you started to do the missionary work? 1940, I became a Christian. 1945, I read Exodus 13, that the firstborn of every Jewish family belonged to God. And uh, I recognized myself as the firstborn of a Jewish family. Uh, After finishing high school, I went to a nurse training hospital and did my nurse training. I went to Bible Training Institute in Glasgow, Scotland, and uh, I attended the Summer Institute of Linguistics in London discovered I wasn't a linguist, but I still wanted to go to some jungle area. And I was assigned to a a tribe on the island of Mindoro, where the people used Tagalog, the national language. And uh, I had a Bible and a songbook already translated. And so for how many years were you a missionary, Thomas Grauman? I was four years in the Philippines, at home assignment for a year, four more years. During my first four years, I met my wife, a newly arrived missionary, and uh, I proposed to her, and she was not interested. Uh, During my first furlough, I sent her a Scottish brooch, and after that, She thought she should at least pray about it. Uh, She decided to accept my invitation after several years waiting. Uh, We were married as soon as she returned from furlough, and we worked together for four years. In 1990, communism had fallen, and I got a letter from my cousin who was born after 1945. And he said grandmother's house was returned to our family. That was, Uh, what, 35, 45 years later, wasn't it? Yes, something like that. Okay. Uh, My cousin wanted to sell grandmother's house and asked if I would agree. The house was in very bad shape. All electric wires had been pulled out. The central heating had been pulled out. Um, The elevator going from floor to floor was unusable. And when it was reconstructed, they weren't aware that there was an elevator there. After getting this letter, I saw an ad for a cheap flight to Frankfurt, I booked a flight to Frankfurt and a train uh, to Prague and visited my cousin and his family, got a little tour of Prague, and uh, my cousin drove us to Brno, and we saw grandmother's house. We saw the mansion where we had lived as managers of a big estate in a village just outside of Brno. And uh, we visited some other relatives in uh, Hungary and uh, Vienna. So Thomas Grauman, going through the, your family went through the Holocaust. Um, some of them did not survive, your mother and your brother. Do you know how many family members that you lost in the Holocaust by any chance? I'm not sure how many I lost, but uh, I know that there were thousands of people who were lost. Uh, In Prague, there is uh, a Jewish synagogue, Pinkas synagogue, which has a list of 
Czechs who died in the Holocaust. I think 85,000 names. That is absolutely astounding. I know, and just kind of a side note, um, I know that we lost just, the Americans lost 88,000 airmen in World War II going in to stand and, and fight against this this evil. Um, so you're, let's go back a little bit. You were a little kid, eight years old. Uh, your mom, was it emotional for your mom when she put you on the train, or were you aware of anything, any emotions going on at that time? Mother told me, go to Britain and learn English. If you're fluent in English, Maybe you can represent your father's shoe company when you grow up. Okay. And she said, in two or three months, Hitler will be gone and you can come home. I thought this was a vacation like I'd had numerous vacations with my uncle and his family, her nanny and her family in the mountains of Slovakia. I thought this was just a little vacation, an adventure. When did you figure out that it wasn't a vacation? When war was declared and we listened to uh, BBC reports and Nazi propaganda, they discussed the same uh, battles, but the casualties were different. Mm-hmm. What about Mary Carson? What was her days like? Now, she, she, uh, they, they brought you and you said another child as well? There were two yes. of you? Yes. Who was the other child? Tom Schlesinger. Okay. He went to Czech State Secondary School in Wales, and the school was all evacuated back to Czech Republic, and he didn't like life under communism and found a way to escape and eventually ended up in Australia. Okay. Okay, so let's talk a bit more in the, the balance of this segment uh, your missionary work, did you learn the language of the, the people that you were working to evangelize to? I learned the national language, Tagalog. Okay. Uh, I dabbled a little bit in the tribal language, but uh, I didn't seriously attempt to learn the tribal language. Okay. And last question before we go to break. This little Jewish kid from... Czechoslovakia, ends up in Scotland. How did you end up uh, finding Christ? How, how did that happen? A children's evangelist had no meeting scheduled. He came to stay with his sister in the village. He conducted classes every day after school. There were no other entertainments, so all the children went to his classes where he explained the gospel in detail, illustrated uh, the Christian life by Pilgrim's Progress, the story basically of John Bunyan, better known in past years than today. Mm-hmm. When he was explaining John chapter 6, he said, if you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, believe in your heart, he will forgive your sin." And he will never cast you out. So I thought, if this is a permanent thing, it's worth taking. And I prayed, prayed the words of a song he taught us. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart. That's how I became a Christian. Wow. And and how old were you? I was nine years old. Nine years old. Okay. Okay. Thomas Grauman, this is absolutely fascinating. Uh, You are one of Winton's children, uh, and we'll talk a bit more in the next break about, uh, you know, later on in the years regarding Sir Nicholas Winton. So we'll be right back. This is Kim Munson with the World War II Project. Hey, before we go to break, I have on the line with me Jim Ruse. He is a retired Marine, and Jim, welcome. Well, thank you. Tell us a bit more about the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation. Uh, The Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation is the oldest uh, of the military uh, scholarship programs. It was started in 1962, 
since 1962, we have issued tens of thousands of uh, scholarship awards, totaling over $130 million. Wow. And it's geared towards the children of Marines and those corpsmen who work with Marines. So anyone that uh, was a Marine was honorably discharged or a Navy corpsman who worked with Marines, their children are eligible for these scholarships. We're talking anywhere from 30000 to $40,000, and it doesn't matter what their age is. We have a Marine whose daughter uh, in her 30s went back to college, and the Marine Corps scholarship uh, helped her. Jim Ruse, it's, it sounds like such important work, but to be able to continue this, you need to raise money, right? Exactly. Everything is uh, done through donations. And so anything that uh, anybody can give is always appreciated. And that's why we're having this golf outing at the Inverness in South Denver, is to help raise money for this scholarship. Well, and this golf uh, tournament uh, is actually you get to do two things. You get to help with this scholarship foundation, but also you can get out and meet some new people and uh, hit the golf ball around. So, again, give us the details on that, Jim Roos. Okay. It is uh, August 6th at Inverness Hotel and Golf Resort in South Denver. It is on August 6th. We are looking for for active people that like to golf, that uh, would like to help out either by sponsoring a golfer or by having their own foursome or just by donating money. Some of the people that are donating, they will just buy like a foursome and then they'll have Marines or corpsmen or Army or Air Force uh, veterans join in. Yeah, we're looking for people that really want to help out, and if they love the golf, even better. Okay, and where can they find that information, Jim Ruse? The best way would be online at uh, the initials for the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation, mcsf.org. And when you get there, look up events, because it'll be right on the homepage, and then it'll show one of several golf and other events. Ours is the Colorado golf event. And then once you click on that, it'll come to contributions. And then whatever you can help with would be greatly appreciated. Okay, well, very good. Jim Roos, thank you so much for your good work on this important cause. And again, that website is mcsf.org. That's mcsf.org. Thanks so much. Semper Fidelis. Uh, We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks World War II Project. Uh, I'm thrilled to have in studio with me Thomas Grauman. He is one of the children that got out of Czechoslovakia before it was invaded by the Nazis. And the guy that did that was Nicholas Winton. And uh, there's a book that you have coming out about your life very soon, right, Thomas Grauman? Yes. Okay. Twice Rescued is coming out in October. Tell us a little bit about Twice Rescued. How'd you come up with that title? I didn't come up with a title. (laughs) (laughs) It was prepared for me. Someone in a church in the north of Bohemia, Moravia, wanted a church presentation of my story and uh, advertised it as Twice Rescued. And uh, we had an opportunity of visiting the tract mission. They told me, bring anything you've written, bring any pictures that you have, and we'll prepare a leaflet. And so they prepared a leaflet, sent copies to all their regular customers, and I started getting invitations to tell my story all over Czechoslovakia. I had problems. The letters were usually written in Czech. I wasn't so fluent in Czech. I found a translator willing to organize opportunities and uh, translate for me in churches that didn't have their own translators. Then my friend Samuel arranged for me to speak in 19 opportunities within uh, two weeks. (laughs) Were you uh, tired? (laughs) In the city of Selin. And uh, when I survived that, they recommended me to a newly started ministry of 
by Josiah Venture called Exit Tour. Uh, Exit Tour consists of an American rock band, uh, a group of teachers who teach on ethical subjects required on the school curriculum that school teachers aren't very happy being foisted on them, smoking, drinking, other similar subjects. Okay. And they were very interested in my story and the ones who prepared the way got me invitations to churches in the evenings from 2008 to 2015. I spoke in schools and churches. Uh, 2015, I went back to say goodbye to my friends. I wasn't sure whether this was absolute goodbye or not, mm-hmm. but uh, we basically got rid of everything we possessed there. My goodbye consisted of meeting in the town theater, co-sponsored by City Hall, uh, with 700 students from high schools in town of Brno there. At the end of my presentation, as always, I offered a Gideon New Testament. Hundreds of New Testaments were taken home. Nice. From this meeting, we were ushered to Grandmother's house where the Jewish community had prepared two markers that said my grandmother's name and the years that she had lived there and my name, the years I had lived there. And then out to the village of Cheshane, where we put markers outside the mansion that had housed us as a family. Uh, From there, we went to a restaurant where I was presented by several bottles of Moravian wine, and uh, I had a nap in the back of this restaurant where there were rooms, Mm -hmm. and in the evening, public was invited for a public meeting where I told my story. One of my fellow students in Cheshire School brought me a picture and he pointed out, this one is dead, this one is dead, this one is dead. Mm -hmm. This is me and this is you and there's one more who's still alive. Wow. Okay, well, Thomas Grauman, we've got a few more minutes left. Let's, Let's go to Nicholas Winton now. This is called Winton's Trains. You've brought this amazing book, this beautiful book of of many of the children that were saved by Nicholas Winton. And he didn't really realize what he had actually done for many, many years, right? Nicholas Winton did this. He found there was nothing more he could do, put all his information in a box, and uh, joined the British Air Force. Uh, He got married to a Dutch lady he met in Europe during the time he was working for the Red Cross. And uh, for 50 years, he said nothing about what he had done. And after the information came out, he said, I didn't do anything very special. Anyone with my background would have done the same. Uh, He was very humble. Well, there was, uh, as we were preparing for this show, there was a BBC, uh, something that was done with Nicholas Winton. Have Have you seen that with all the children that stood up that he is? Yes. Okay. So let's tell people a little bit about that. And then you've met him. We want to hear about that as well. So do you recall that BBC uh, uh, video? The BBC video uh, was going to tell Nicholas Winton's story. He was invited to come, and uh, the lady sitting next to him Uh said she was one of his children, and uh, she had been looking for him for years and found that he was living 
10 minutes away from her oh house. Oh, my gosh. Uh, at the end of uh, this uh, TV program, they asked, is there anyone else here saved by Nicholas Winton? And whole crowd of people all stood up. Yeah. Uh, they showed the whole film of uh, The Power of Good in Prague at the premiere of the film. I was introduced to Nicholas Winton and was able to say thank you for saving my life. Uh, Nicholas Winton appeared several other times. Uh, I'd like to tell you about the 70th anniversary train. That would be good. What, what in happened? 2009, there was a train set up as an anniversary. Some of the Winton children thought it was a waste of money but it was totally uh, paid for by our sponsors. They had they found railway carriages like we had in 1939. They found steam engines, same as we had in 1939. And uh, 22 of the original Winton children rode in that train, and we were all allowed two family members to go with us. My son Dan and my daughter Lynette joined me on that trip. They flew to Prague. Uh, we started with a concert in the Prague Museum. The next morning, we uncovered a statue to Nicholas Winton uh, in the railway station and uh, got on the train. We had assigned seats, but we were free to move around. And there were several reporters trying to get stories. Uh, the train eventually reached Liverpool Street Station in London, and uh, Nicholas Winton was sitting, waiting for us to arrive. Nicholas Winton was given the opportunity to say a few words to us. He said, I'm glad to see you after 70 years. Don't wait so long before you come to see me again. Wow. How many children did he save? 669. What number were you? 652. Uh, my boarding card I see this. should be there. I see this. Okay. That's the number. I see it right here. Okay, and and on this, what this says, listeners, is this is uh, this is Thomas's boarding card. It's the British Committee for Children in Prague, and it says this document requires no visa, and uh, it says this document of identity is issued with the approval of His Majesty's government in the United Kingdom to young persons to be admitted to the United Kingdom for educational purposes under the care of the Inter Aid Committee for Children. So uh, then you spent most of your adult life then as a missionary and you were in between Scotland and and, uh, Czechoslovakia, or or where else were you? I spent many years here in Denver. Okay. Uh, My wife's home was basically Santa Cruz, California. Okay. We went to Santa Cruz and uh, we got a letter saying... uh, by adopting two babies instead of one, we had disqualified ourselves for missionary service with Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Okay. Uh, we tried to return to the Philippines with Conservative Baptist Foreign Mission Society. And uh, while I was on deputation raising support for visit to Philippines. Uh, I took sick. I went home. The doctor wouldn't even examine me until I was registered for welfare. We did better on welfare with four kids uh, than we were doing without the welfare. Oh, my gosh. I was told at the end of my doctor examination, that uh, this was cerebellar ataxia, and I would never walk again. 
uh, my pastor, Roy Kraft, came to the hospital. We prayed together, and I was convinced that God was going to heal me. But it took longer than what we expected. That happens sometimes, you know, to, uh, to prayers. Uh, Thomas Grauman, we're just about out of time. What is the last kind of final thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners uh, about Winton's trains? What, what's the last thing that you would like people to, to hear? Nicholas Winton saved so many people. He was very humble in seeing anyone in his position would have done the same. I'm very grateful to Nicholas Winton for saving each one of us. There are now reckoned to be more than 5,000 people alive who are descendants of the original 669 of us. Uh, I'm grateful to Jesus Christ for saving me and enabling me to be a missionary to tribal people in the jungles of the Philippines and then to work with school children in Czech Republic. These public presentations of my story were the cream on the cake for me. Okay, well, your book, the book about you, will be coming out in October. It's called Twice Rescued. You can pre-order it on Amazon, and I'm, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing book. So, Thomas Grauman, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the opportunity of talking with you. Thank you. So we'll go ahead and sign off here. Uh, this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks World War II Project. Thank you so much, and be sure to tune in. And next week, same time, same station. Join us next time for the World War II Project and your host, the Americhick, Kim Munson. Until then, keep saluting the greatest generation.